Life Audio. Hello and welcome to the Capital Ministries podcast. At Capital Ministries, our mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ in the political arena throughout the world, and we do this through weekly in-depth discipleship Bible studies. I'm Frank Sontag, and I look forward to sharing these Bible studies written by my friend Ralph Drawlinger. As president and founder of Capital Ministries, Ralph is teaching the same study to three different groups in D.C. this week. He holds a House Members Bible Study, a Senate Members Bible Study, and a Zoom study with former White House Cabinet members. In this week's study titled, Mastering the Fascinating Book of Proverbs, let us attempt to get a better grip and understanding of the Old Testament book. We will gain an understanding of the various kinds of formal structures that God has incorporated in this book. Such insights will greatly aid our comprehension. Before we get started, let us hear a word from our sponsor. This Capital Ministries Bible study from President and Founder Ralph Drollinger is entitled, Mastering the Fascinating Book of Proverbs. In this study, let us attempt to get a better grip and understanding of the Old Testament book of Proverbs. We will gain an understanding of the various kinds of formal structures that God has incorporated in this book. Such insights will greatly aid our comprehension. God penned this book through His servant Solomon, the wisest man of his day. Cross-reference 1 Kings 3.28 and of all time, 1 Kings 3.12. Most interestingly, for those who hold governmental office, a king wrote the book to his son who would be king. Accordingly, it has great direct application to those whom God has called to represent him in the capital community. It is necessary study for anyone who seeks to lead. What follows will greatly aid you in wise governmental leadership. Our Introduction One of the most common ancient methods of teaching wisdom was via the medium of Proverbs, short, succinct sayings that communicate truths in a profound way. With brevity of words, vast principles for living are illuminated for and exhibited to the reader. Often this instruction is done by comparing a truth, paralleling it, to a picturesque, commonly known image from everyday life. With that useful insight in mind, the book itself is easier and more enjoyable to study. Ancient literature records that proverbial forms of communication existed in the East, in Egypt, Edom, and Babylon, but only those written in the Bible's book of Proverbs bear God's stamp of veracity and trustworthiness. Only these Proverbs are sealed with God's authority. Keep in mind that no fewer than 3,600 times does the Old Testament claim to be the Word of God. The Hebrew word for Proverbs is Mishle and, in a basic sense, means to be like. In essence, Proverbs conveys godly wisdom, which is skill at living life. Therefore, if we desire to increase living our lives successfully, especially if we desire to lead in God's various ordained institutions, then the book of Proverbs needs to be a staple of our daily spiritual diet. And although Proverbs are found elsewhere in Scripture, This is the one book amongst the 66 God-inspired books of the Bible 
that specifically, broadly, and succinctly addresses the subject of wisdom. The Potion of Proverbs Five forms of parallelism commonly occur in the 31 chapters of the book of Proverbs that convey timeless principles for living life with great skill for God's glory, i.e. wisely. Summarily, these forms are as follows, a chart being the form and its illustration in Scripture. Form, identical, similar. Illustration, Proverbs 16.18. Form, opposite. Illustration, Proverbs 11.17. Form, expansive. Illustration, 10.18. Form, comparative. Illustration, chapter 25, verse 25. And form, formal. Illustration, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 28. These forms of parallelism used in Proverbs are usually expressed in two poetic lines. The second line facilitates what is captioned previously to create understanding. That is to say, the second line completes the first line in a fashion consistent with one of these five specific forms. Sometimes, however, the captioning is accomplished in four lines. Chapter 24, verses 3 through 4. Six lines, 23, 19 through 21, or eight lines, 23, 22 through 25. What follows are examples of each. A. Identical Proverbs. The second stanza provides more insight concerning the subject of the first stanza. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling. B. Opposite Proverbs. The second stanza contrasts the first stanza to qualify the specificity of the principle. Proverbs 11.17, The merciful man does himself good, but the cruel man does himself harm. C. Expansive Proverbs. The second stanza explains more information about the principle first elucidated. Proverbs 10.18, He who conceals hatred has lying lips, and he who spreads slander is a fool. D. Comparative Proverbs. The second stanza compares the principle of the first stanza to something quite familiar. Proverbs 25.25 Like cold water to a weary soul, so is good news from a distant land. E. Formal Proverbs. The second stanza completes the thought expressed in the first stanza. Proverbs 16.28 A perverse man spreads strife and a slanderer separates intimate friends. Learn to look for each of these five forms of parallelism when reading and meditating on the book of Proverbs. Employing such skills will aid your interpretive abilities to understand the authorial intent of the passage and will lead to a proper application in and to your life. I recommend that you embark on a study of Proverbs and conduct the following exercise as you do. Read one chapter per day, taking the time to identify and record in the margin which type of parallelism is represented by each. Mark each one with an A through E per my identifiers. I think you will find this exercise to be stimulating, fun, and extremely helpful to your mastery of this book. The Progenitors of Proverbs Solomon wrote much of the book of Proverbs and acted as its general editor. As chapter 30 records the words of Augur, in chapter 31 the words of Lemuel, 
both of whom scholars say could be pen names of Solomon due to the close similarity in style. King Solomon ruled Israel from 971 to 931 B.C., and as previously mentioned, was granted great and unique wisdom by God. It is interesting to note that Solomon desired understanding above riches, per 1 Kings 3, 11-12, and 2 Chronicles 1, 11-12. Scripture states, God said to him, Because you have asked this thing and have not asked for yourself long life, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have you asked for the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself discernment to understand justice, behold, I have done according to your words. Behold, I have given you a wise and discerning heart, so that there has been no one like you before you, nor shall one like you arise after you. God obviously honored Solomon's heart and priorities, as we see by the fascinating study of this book. What are the inner priorities of your heart? What is it that God looks for and blesses? Note Second Chronicles 16.9. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. Put away idolatry, i.e., anything that supersedes God's rightful, preeminent priority in your inner being. Such priority slippage is evidenced in Solomon's heart, as in his later years he turned away from God. Cross-reference 1 Kings 11, 1-11. His penning of this Old Testament book, however, along with Ecclesiastes and the Song of Solomon, occurred well before that time. Solomon then is yet another biblical illustration of the consequences of sin and the fall of man. Slowly over the course of Solomon's life, he wandered away from obedience to God. He failed in his old age to live out the truths God had given him and which he had recorded in his writings. A further interest is Solomon's son Rehoboam, to whom the book is written. Rehoboam completely rejected his father's teaching, and his political leadership was a disaster. Cross-reference 1 Kings 12, 6-11. One wonders whether this may have been a result of observing his father's ungodly behavior. May this never be the case with you, my friend. The Principles of Proverbs The broad conveyance of the book of Proverbs is that wise people, those who live a life of obedience to God, will live longer, 9-11, prosper, chapter 16, verse 20, experience joy, 3, 13 through 18, and the overall goodness of God, Proverbs 12, 21, during their life here on earth. Conversely, those who fail to live according to Proverbs, referred to by this book as fools, suffer shame, 335, and death, Proverbs 10.21. While these truths are generally evident, note that the Bible also teaches that the wicked sometimes prosper temporarily, Psalm 73.3 and 12.8, and that sometimes godly people suffer, cross-reference the book of Job. An important consideration when studying Proverbs, therefore, is not to do so with an attitude of seeking personal gain and success, as though this book contains a sure formula for that. Rather, study the book for purposes of spiritual maturity and wisdom to glorify God and to become more Christ-like. Accordingly, Proverbs contains principles, not promises. The Purpose of Proverbs 
The book answers the question, how shall I live my life? In answering that, it is not a selfish, how can I be successful book, but rather one that instructs the believer on how he can know for certain if he has lived a life that is pleasing to God and worthy of reward before the day of judgment. This book deals with personal morality, duty, ethics, values, and virtues that inform and instruct what exactly God's will is, even in the complex matters of life. To the student of the book, it clarifies what exactly righteousness looks like and is in any given situation. Proverbs will inform the believer repeatedly as to what is the right thing to do. States one commentator, It pricks the conscience, penetrates the soul, and probes the deepest recesses of the heart. By design, Proverbs, being a proactive book, promotes personal holiness at the most practical levels of living. I hope everyone in the Capital community will find this study both critical and intriguing. They should. A lifelong study of the book of Proverbs will help mold, reinforce, and strengthen the resolve of every person's conscience. Remember, our conscience works from the basis of our conscientiousness. The Procedure of Proverbs The following 10 tips for interpreting Proverbs are excerpted from Practicing Proverbs by Dr. Richard Mayhew. Each point will greatly aid your study as you examine and work to understand this great book over a lifetime. Realize that no proverb or section in Proverbs intends to be an exhaustive, final treatment on the subject. Tip number two. Proverbs must be understood in terms of context, which includes the language of Scripture, the section in Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, Solomon's writings, the wisdom section of Old Testament Scripture, the complete Old Testament, and the entire Bible. Tip three. Proverbs demands to be interpreted in the cultural and historical setting of the time in which it was written. Tip 4. Proverbs are not guaranteed promises, but generalizations that can have exceptions. Tip 5. Poetic features and figures of speech need to be taken into consideration during interpretation versus a wooden, literalistic interpretation. Tip 6. Proverbs are not a formula for selfish gain, but rather a glorification of God via spiritual maturity. Tip 7. If a proverb is unclear, read it in another translation or use trusted commentaries. Tip 8. Interpret proverbs to discover the original authorial intent. Discover the timeless principle and then make application. Tip 9. Proverbs is not designed for large doses of reading. Study small portions, contemplate, and reflect. And tip number 10. Treat what Proverbs states as divine and obey it versus an optional idea coming from the secular world. Our summary. May our Lord grant you wonderful understanding and spiritual growth from this magnificent book of the Bible, one that is written primarily to prepare an individual for leadership of a nation. This book has great relevance to a public servant today. Friends, I encourage you to find more studies like this one on the Capital Ministries website, which is capmin.org. There you can also learn about in-depth weekly discipleship Bible studies 
taking place in capitals throughout our nation and around the world. You may be called to lead such studies with public servants in your community. Thanks to the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. Here at lifeaudio.com, you will also find more faith-centered podcasts. This concludes our Bible study for this week. May God bless you deeply. Thank you for all you do in our great country. And on the Hill, this is Frank Sontag.